Our scripture that was previously read came from Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and the reading was from the first to the second verses. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I'll say that again. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Everything in life, everything in life is designed to mature, meaning everything in life is designed to develop into something useful and productive that adds value to life. Our Christian life is no different. As Christians, our lives are not about performance or perfection, but about growth and maturity. In other words, our Christian lives are designed to mature and to bear fruit. And the fruit of that maturity is faith. So today I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about faith. And I propose to do so in a message I have titled, A Cloud of Witnesses. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have now come to the preaching moment. Spirit of the living God, inspire your preacher, that I may preach this word and this message with clarity and authenticity, that your people will hear the word, but not only hear the word, but be doers of the word in faith. Bless every hearer and every responder. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible talks a lot about faith. And the classical biblical definition, as we all know it, is what? Is that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Yeah, yeah. But in addition to that, the Bible tells us that faith is something that is important for us to have for three main reasons. Number one, you can't live without it. Mm. Secondly, you overcome by it. And third, which I think is also a really big deal, is that you cannot please God without it. Well. For many people, this makes no sense, so they simply relegate faith to meaning some kind of religious belief or a denomination or even some kind of belief system. You hear people often say things to like, what is your faith? tradition or you know they use it in a way that does not necessarily get to the heart of what faith is but the truth is faith is a law and because it's a law it requires some kind of action brothers and sisters simply put faith is the willingness to act on what you believe yeah. 
Whatever it is that you say you believe in, faith is going to require that you act on it. Because the truth of the matter is, a lot of people say they have faith, but do nothing with that faith. They say they believe in God, but then refuse to do the things that God would have you do. Yes, sir. So what good is your faith if it doesn't back up what you say you believe? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But yet while this is a good definition, it is in fact incomplete. Mm. It actually requires another step and it goes a little deeper. Stay with me, brothers and sisters. Manser's definition taken from the dictionary of the Bible themes, defines faith this way. Listen carefully. Confidence in the ability and willingness of God to act in supernatural power to advance his kingdom and a commitment expressed in prayer and action to being the means by which he does so. Now, that's a lot of words. So let's look at it again a little slower. What's this thing called faith? First, faith is confidence. Yeah. Have you ever seen someone who is confident? I love watching basketball, and I talk often about Michael Jordan. And whenever Michael Jordan gets the basketball, no matter where he gets the ball, what is it? He knows exactly what he's going to do with the ball. And what, is it, what does he do even as a winner? He says, when it's down to the nitty-gritty, when you're down to the last seconds of the game, what does he want? Give me the ball. Give me the ball. That's confidence. So the first thing we want to understand about this thing called faith is that it gives you a confidence. But where is that confidence placed? Is that confidence placed in the fact that you're tall? Is that confidence placed in the fact that you have good physical attributes? Is that confidence placed in the fact that, wait a second, I've been playing basketball all my life, so I know when I get the ball, I can make the shot. Is that where Michael places the confidence? I don't know. But what I do know is that the confidence that he has says whenever the game is on the line, I'm not going to trust anyone to do what I have in my mind, in my heart, and in my ability to do. Michael wants the ball. Yeah. So faith is saying to us, where is our confidence? This faith that we say we in a God that we say we believe in, where is that confidence? Is that confidence in the fact that you have a nice house? Is that confidence in the fact that you may make some good money? Is that confidence in the fact that maybe you have a little edumacation? Or is that confidence in the fact that you know that you know that you know that there is a God who can act in supernatural ways that can change the circumstances of your life, that can change the game? Are you that confident that when things seem to be falling apart in your life, you can say, give me the ball? Yeah. Yes, sir. Confidence. Mm. Faith is confidence. I know that I know that God is real. Give me the ball. Now, confidence, the way Mansur is describing it, the next part, he says it's confidence in the ability and the willingness of God to do something. Mm. Let me stop right there. Mm. So we talked about confidence. It's, it's, the, it's the Michael Jordan, give me the ball. But now you need the willingness and the act. What am I saying, church? I 
I'm willing to release the ball. I'm not going to, it's not just give me the ball and I can hold it. It's give me the ball and I can release it. Because when I release it with confidence that it's going to go into the bucket, you win the game. Brothers and sisters, many of us, we say we have the confidence. But we're holding on to the thing. When the way that you win the game is to what? Release it. Because if you think you can't make the shot, guess what you won't do? You won't take it. Are you getting this picture? I'm talking about faith. I'm saying you give me the ball. I have the confidence to know that when I release this thing in faith, I don't want it to go to anybody else because I can make the shot. And what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when you grab that ball in faith, you will never miss. Do you know why? Because when you release it, you're releasing Jesus. And he never misses. So where is your confidence? Are you all tracking with me? This is is what I'm talking about. But, But you have to believe that God is willing And God is ready to act. Now, let me pause here for a moment. None of this is in my manuscript. Come on, preacher. You could get the ball. Mm -hmm. You could have the skill. You could have all the training. You could want the ball when the game is on the line. But brothers and sisters, as good as you may be to make the shot, the problem often comes when we are aiming for the wrong basket. So you could have all the skill in the world. You could be as good as Michael. You could have all of the jump shot skills and everything. But brothers and sisters, you may even have the faith to release the ball. But if you release that ball in in your opponent's basket, when the game is on the line, you lose. And that's where the willingness comes in. If God is telling you, That this is what I want you to do and I'm willing to act on your behalf and he's going to give you the ball. You better make sure that where you're shooting it is in accordance with where he wants you to shoot it. Because too many of us, we want to shoot the ball wherever we think the ball should go. And far too often, the ball ends up in the wrong place. Doesn't mean you don't have faith. Doesn't mean you don't have confidence. Just means that you don't know where to appropriate it or to place it. Mm-hmm. Confidence that God will do something supernatural. Mm. But then here's the other part, the and. You have the confidence, but here's the and. The and says a commitment that you express in prayer and action. God, I have the confidence. I have the faith. We can win this game. Pass me the ball. You get the ball. You've got it now. And you said, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Thank you for giving me the ball. But now, Lord, where should I throw it? Where? See, that's what the prayer part does. It's seeking direction from a God who's going to act in supernatural ways that's going to tell you where you should or should not go. Because the ball is not just about you throwing it into the basket. Sometimes God may say, 
pass the ball. Are y'all hearing me? Sometimes our confidence can be of such that we are so high-minded that when God gives us the ball, he says, listen, the game is on the line, but I'm giving you the ball because I know that the enemy wants you. So if I give you the ball, it's going to pull all of the enemy. You're going to get double teamed from the enemy. You're going to get persecuted by the enemy. You're going to feel all of this, but it's a strategy of mine where I want you to take the persecution because I want you to pass the ball to someone who is open. You see, brothers and sisters, the scriptures remind us that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us through them all. And sometimes winning the game means you might have to give up the ball. You can't win every single time. But if you are humble enough to recognize that you are Michael or you are LeBron or you are Tom Brady or you are any of these people, if you are humble enough to know that you are the the GOAT, Maybe, just maybe, you might be willing to be the scapegoat and give up the rock to someone else. That's faith. It's that I know, that I know, that I know that God is with me, that I can make the shot. But in this moment in time, the game is more important than me getting the praise for making the basket. Right now, I need to pass the ball because we want to win the game. And just maybe my skill is all that's needed to pull all of the opponents so someone else can make the shot. That's faith. So according to Manser, faith is confidence that God can act and our commitment to that confidence through prayers and our actions. For if you can do anything, then brothers and sisters, you don't need God. You don't need God. And we need God for the supernatural and the impossibilities in our lives. We need God. Listen, you don't need God for the things that you can do. We need God for the things that only He can do. See, here's a practical example. How many of you, be honest, I know the answer already, but how many of you have ever seen anybody, a pastor, a rabbi, or whatever, how many of you have ever seen any one of us turn water into wine in Jesus' name? (laughs) Nobody? None of you have never seen me turn water into wine? How about, how many of you have ever seen the blind receive their sight when someone prayed over them in Jesus' name? How many of you have seen that? Actually seen that? None of y'all? Y'all didn't see when I turned blind eyes open? What's my point? I'm going somewhere. Or, or, Or how about my favorite? How many of you have ever seen someone, a pastor, raise someone from the dead at a funeral? Now, none of you. For I know if you have even seen that last one, that would be one empty funeral church or parlor. I'm just simply saying that. You see, 
The more, though, that we're able to see and witness the supernatural work of God is the stronger you become in your faith and belief system. See, I've never seen any of those things, but I have seen other things. And the more I see things that confirm that God is who he said he is, is the stronger my faith becomes. And I grow from faith to faith. The reason why God, why when Jesus walked and he did those miracles was because at the time he needed to prove that he was who he said he was. They needed more. Now we are on the other side of the resurrection. He already raised from the dead. What more do you need in order for you to have the kind of confidence that if he raised from the dead, then so too shall you. I'm talking about faith. And this is what it means to go from faith to faith, is that you are seeing and you're experiencing more. And the closer you walk with God and the more experiences you have with God and the more faith you can witness is the stronger your faith becomes. And then you will be confident enough to say, give me the rock when the game is on the line. But how do you actually get it? And I'm hurrying along. Well, look at Romans, the 12th chapter and the third verses. This is what it says in Romans. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to, here it is, the measure of faith that God has assigned. Whoa. From this text, it is clear that God assigns you faith according to his own good pleasure. It is God's prerogative to assign to every single person a certain measure of faith. And to some people, God gives some faith. To some people, God gives more faith. And to others, God gives great faith. Why he does it that way, I don't know. But the problem that many of us have is that we believe that the faith we have is not enough. Yeah, I've seen some people do some amazing things with faith. But I don't have that much faith. Well... This is what Jesus says. Where is your faith to his disciples? O ye of little faith, he says to his disciples. And then he says to the centurion soldier, nowhere have I seen such great faith. So we've seen this almost unfair distribution of faith all over the Bible. God's not fair. He gives us a little bit of faith. What am I supposed to do with a little bit of faith? Well, he answers that as well. What did he say? If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be thou what? Removed and be cast into the sea with only mustard seed faith. So we complain that we don't have enough faith, yet we have not moved one mountain yet. Truly, I tell you, my brothers and my sisters, faith, you only need a little bit of it. Because guess what? Even the most prepared saint, even, let me put it this way, even the, the rookie on the basketball team, when Michael Jordan gets the ball and he passes it to the rookie, when the game is on the line, 
the rookie finds something. He's like, I'm not Michael. I'm not LeBron. I'm Quincy. But Quincy releases the ball and makes the shot. Even with a little bit of faith, you can win the championship. Are you following me, church? You don't need all of it. You don't need to have faith like, you know, name your heroes. <laughs> Peter, Paul, Jakes, whomever. You don't need all of it. You just need a little. But are you willing to act on it? When God says, use that faith, where I tell you, oh my goodness, brothers and sisters, you can move mountains. So here's the bottom line. Do you have any faith at all? And what are you doing with it? The Bible tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want you all to stay with me. I'm talking about faith. By hearing the word of God preach Sunday after Sunday until you get it is how you get faith. And once you get it, once you believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the son of the living God, once you believe that it is in him that you move and have your being, once you believe that he came from heaven and suffered death, even death on a cross, once you believe that he died and rose again from the grave, once you believe that he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father, and once you believe that he is the author and the finisher of your faith, then, my brothers and sisters, you have enough faith and nothing will be impossible for you. But you must have faith for without it, it is impossible to please God. And for those that believe that he exists, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The amazing revelation that dropped in my spirit as I was preparing this message is simply this. And I need to say this so that you hear me. You can please God. Let that sink in your spirit. You can please God. God created the heavens and the earth, the moon and the stars, all that we see and all that we do not see. God made butterflies and squirrels. He made whales. He made lions and tigers and lizards and creeping things. He made all kinds of things. God has amazed us. And to think that there's a part of you and us that can please him. You can please God. You're not a mess. You're not a mistake. You're not busted. You can please God. <laughs> if you are here, and if you're even listening to this message, you can please God. He's pleasable. And he is pleasable by you. 
I can't make it any simpler or any plainer. A lot of people are trying to do these amazing things and build these cathedrals, and they're trying to do all these amazing things for God. Meanwhile, when you take your shot, when you do exactly what you were called and designed to do, you please God. You please God. When there's every part of you that doesn't even feel like doing anything and you still get yourself up and you still say, I'm going to help somebody. I'm, I'm still going to help the church and rake up the leaves. And I'm still, you can please God. I can't say it any plainer. But I want you to hear it. And I want you to understand it. You can please God. You can. So, two quick points and then we're done. You must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 90% of Americans say they believe in God. But which God they're talking about, I don't know. But 90% of Americans say they believe God. How do you understand God? And who is God to you? You must settle in your mind and be clear which God you're talking about. I have this habit of often trying to say Jesus every time I talk about God because I don't want there to be any mistake about who I'm talking about. God I'm talking about is Jesus the Christ who was born of a Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried, third day rose again from the grave, and now sits at the right hand of God the Father. I am clear on who that God is. That God who is the Word, the Word who was from the beginning, and nothing was made that was made, for he was there from the beginning. And that same word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the God I'm talking about. I'm talking about a God who's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm talking about the Rose of Sharon. I am simply talking about the great I am that I am. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the priest Melchizedek who met Abraham on that road where he was given a tithe. I'm talking about the God who turned water into wine. I'm talking about the one who walked and he walked on water. He opened blind eyes. The one who dare make the lepers clean. I'm talking about the one who every sacrifice is given. The one who shed his blood once and for all. I'm talking about Jesus. The name that is above every name. That at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord and God Almighty. I am not stuttering. I'm not changing my words. I'm not mincing my words. I'm talking about Jesus. And when you come to him, you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's who I'm talking about. And you get to him through prayer. You get to him through Bible study. You get to him in times of worship. You get to him in fasting. You get to him in meditation. You get to him when you need him. For if you call on his name, If you call on his name, he is faithful to come when you call. So I want you to really think about your faith. The confidence in the God who does the supernatural things, but you access in prayer and through your action. 
Because I'll tell you though, the news is good news. But it has a little bit of a challenge. There's a caveat to this good news. The Bible is replete with apostles and disciples and people who walk with Jesus and exercised not just some faith, not just more faith, but great faith. This is where the message gets sobering, church. And the scriptures tell us that those who come to him must first believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. A guy like Peter and Matthew they, and Thomas, these guys, they walk with him. They saw him. They touched him. They, they knew him. They had great faith because they could see all of the things. Their faith, as, as he was doing miracles after miracles after miracles, they were having these experiences, and their faith was growing and growing and growing. And as their faith were growing, they were looking forward to the reward. That's why I read the scripture the way I read it. This is what it says. Listen, let me read it again. This is what it said. It said, watch this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him. What did he endure? How do you put joy and cross in the same sentence? There is nothing about a cross that is joyful. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So Michael got the ball. The game's on the line. Give me the rock. And he is now getting ready to shoot it. The joy set before him. Matthew got the rock. But Matthew was killed by a sword in Ethiopia. Mark got the rock died after being dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead in Alexandria, Egypt. Luke got the rock. Luke was hanged as a result of his tremendous preaching to the lost in Greece. John, we like John. John got the rock. He faced martyrdom when he was boiled in a huge basin of boiling oil during a wave of persecution in Rome. However, he was miraculously delivered from death and he was then sentenced to the mines in the prison on the island of Patmos. From there, he wrote the book of Revelations. Sometimes when you've gone through major persecution, God opens up a part in your spirit that is incredibly prophetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter got the rock. Confidence and the faith. Listen, you don't have to wash me. I will go wherever you go, Peter was crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross. And according to church tradition, it was his request because he felt unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus died. James, y'all remember James? Son of Zebedee was beheaded in Jerusalem. <laughs> the Roman officer who guarded James watched amazed as James defended his faith at his trial. Later, the officer walked beside James to the place of his beheading. Overcome by conviction, he declared his new faith to the judge. Watch this. And knelt beside James and accepted beheading as a Christian as well. Talk about a testimony. 
talk about faith. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, got the rock. It's not prophetic. <laughs> was martyred for his preaching in Armenia when he was flayed, meaning that they ripped off his skin to death by a whip. Andrew, well, he was crucified. He got the rock, and he too was crucified on an X-shaped cross in Patras, Greece. After being whipped severely by seven soldiers, they tied his body to the cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported that when he was led toward the cross, Andrew saluted in these words, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross, he says, has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. And he continued to preach to his tormentors. Thomas, my favorite disciple of all, was stabbed to death with a spear in India during one of his missionary trips. Jude was killed with arrows when he refused to deny his faith in Christ. Paul, Paul was tortured and then beheaded by the evil emperor Nero in Rome in AD 67. How is any of this reward? But what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, faith says that while my suffering for this life is but a brief affliction, there is something that I am yet going to achieve because eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered into the heart of anyone the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Brothers and sisters, believe you me, you can't bless me. God can. You can love me. You can appreciate me. You can say nice things to me and I can do the same for you. But believe you me, you don't want my blessing. You want the blessing of the one who created all things. And when he blesses you, you are forever blessed. So what is this thing called faith? Huh. Listen, read the book of Hebrews if you want to see what happened to Moses and to all of the saints before. And you will see that they too fell in line with these same apostles. Where are you? For we are surrounded <laughs> by so great a cloud of witnesses. A great cloud of witnesses. People who are telling us through their stories that he is worth everything and anything, everything. So, I got the rock. What am I gonna do with it? I'm passing it to you. Now, you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Amen? Amen. May the Lord richly, richly bless you my beloved.